Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, Albie Shore. And uh, the basketball season from hell, as been described by a few people, is over. It is ended. It is done. And to discuss... Uh, the way that a bad basketball season has wildly turned that much worse is the people's champ himself, Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, Albie. Uh, good to be back in the studio here. Um, man, crazy. Crazy things are happening. Once again, we find ourselves sitting here at the end of a season thinking, oh, Who's going to be the next coach? How many times have we done that just in the past two two years for so many different things? It's crazy. It is. I mean, so things. So last week uh, we weren't able to record because um, every time we tried to record, something popped up. So we didn't record. So two weeks ago, you know, life was all good, Jeremy. Life was all good. We were thinking to ourselves, man, maybe this men's basketball team can find a way in the tournament. Like maybe the impossible can happen. And Texas Tech, a team that has no business being in the NCAA tournament, makes their way. They're on a a win streak. Everything was good, right? Uh, And then they had a game against TCU. They battled it out. They fought hard. um, And unfortunately, a a weak foul call was, was called. Went up. Made a free throw. Tech wasn't able to score. They lost the game, all right? So I've been saying all season they have to get to this. 17 and 13 mark to have a shot. They have to do that. Well, now they have 13 losses. Can't lose anymore. You can't. There's no more losing. Uh, but then you have to go to Lawrence and play at Lawrence. Right? Lose the game. So you can't go to the tournament. They fight it out. Third ranked team in the country to Lawrence, Kansas. It looks like, man, can the impossible happen? Well, no. The impossible does not happen. Kansas pulls away at the very end. 
wins the game. Now oh, that sucks, but you know the NITs right there. Like it sucks that we're gonna be in this situation. It's 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 not, but it's it's they they fought hard. We feel proud of this team. We'll be okay. Well, then you come back home. You play Oklahoma State. Tough game, hard fought game, but you lose that one. And it's like, oh, okay, that that sucks. But you know, this is still a good team. We 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 can go to the. Big 12 tournament and, and be okay. But alas, Jeremy, you know what happens after we barely lose Oklahoma State? <laughs> you know you know what happens? The, Our head coach. The worst got worse. <laughs> yeah, man, it took a turn. It took a turn, buddy. The uh, Our head coach decides, you know what? I'm, today's the day I'm going to pick a day to be uh, racially insensitive. Today, I need you know, today. I feel, you know, I, I feel it. I feel, I feel today is the day. So come over here, unnamed player. You need to be more coachable. So you see here in the Bible where they're slaves. <laughs> that's you. That's, that's you. you. That's you. Listen to your masters. That's me. You know, that's, hey. So, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. And, and then, you know, then they're like, hey, man, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, hey Mark, you can't say that. He was like, slaves? I can't say that. I should be able to say whatever the hell I want. What? That's crazy. Y'all are, y'all are wilding. <laughs> this is basically what he said. Um, you know, can you apologize? No, I don't feel like it. Like, that's, that's, that's kind of what he said. So, uh, he got suspended. By the time I hear this podcast, he's been fired. So, it's, uh, or not, let me rephrase. Mark Adams and I can fired. He stepped down. Right. But um, overall, just, Jeremy, what, what are your thoughts on the, the, the three-game losing streak to end the regular season and then... Mark Adams being a wild boy. You know, I'll answer the first one. Um, what a bummer. I mean, you go, you have a tremendous four-game win streak, and you have all this momentum going against the game, uh, into the game against TCU, a team that you should have beat, um, and you were right there to do it. And you end up losing that, and and I'm not going to say that like refereeing is what I hate to just like lay on the referees and all the time, but like you know you you allowed yourself to be in a position where it seems like they had a say at the end of the game, and so you didn't capitalize on a lot of opportunities that you were given. You kind of slowed down at a couple different times, and you lose you lose 83, 82 it sucks, and so you get put in the position. It's like now you have to go win in Lawrence, and despite that. You are one crazy Kevin McCuller drive away f- or dive from um, one crazy Kevin McCuller dr- uh, dive away from a win, maybe right? Because you could get that get that uh, get that rebound, make a layup, um, but you don't, and then it just that's it. That it gets worse. I will say I don't. I I personally don't think that Kevin McCuller um, dive for the ball was a foul. Uh, all right, let me rephrase. I don't think it would have been called. I don't think it would have ever been, been called. I no. do think, yeah, I do think, I do get the Red Raider frustration that against TCU, a weak call cost you the game. And against Kansas, that same weak call wasn't called in your favor, right? Um, I'm, I've am i always been somebody that's, you know, um, keep the same energy. So, like, it's either both all should be called or neither should be called. Um, in my opinion, neither should have been called. Like the TCU one, it's a weak call. You don't make weak calls should not decide games. That shouldn't have been called. And just like the Kevin McCuller, you know, bailing into Harmon, what shouldn't have been called. But I do understand the idea of like, like, come on, how are we getting screwed in both scenarios? Um, yeah. In, in, for it, the same thing. 
And then you go home against Oklahoma State. Again, another team, Oklahoma State and TCU, are two, two games that you should have gotten. Uh, it feels like you had all the pieces there, and just the chemistry was not right. The dry spells came back. Uh, whatever mojo was happening started to fall apart. And so that kind of leads, uh, for me, that kind of leads into, and this was, a, this was a Sunday, people. This was a Sunday. I was, it was in a plant shop getting some plants and fertilizers. And then I have to open up Twitter because it's, it's all of a sudden notification, notification, notification <laughs> on a Sunday. And I'm checking out with my pothos ivy and it's like oh mark adams just racist comment i was like oh you've got to be kidding me <laughs> jeremy's in the plant shop like oh man i'm getting a lot of notifications people must want to talk about the word <laughs> <laughs> the word and or some plants let's go yeah, and oh, um, my goodness nope, that's not the type of bible verses i was expecting <laughs> no we were hanging out way too far in the old testament and so yeah bro like what the hell honestly i'm so out of left field and here's the thing for me when he got, obviously, having a field day with this one. Uh, when when he got suspended, and it was like, oh, what's going to happen? I I I, mean, I you kind of knew, you had to know because at the middle point of the season, boosters, donors, like everybody who's around this program, were, were like, hey, you know, Mark Adams isn't the guy. You had fans saying that, and we were saying, you know, on we were. We were the most cautiously, like, we were the most pragmatic about it when it came to look at the season, like, look what's going on. Everybody else was like, hey, hey he slept with his brother's sister. That's crazy. Uh, and we were the one trying to focus in on, but the, the problem was that it came full circle, right? He started winning games, so then you couldn't do anything about it if you were, like, a donor or whatever. But then, you know, you get this, like, you get this crack. And I, I, got, I compared it to today. I compared it to an accumulation of foul. Um, like if uh, accumulating foul of where like, oh, you're not calling that, you're not calling that. Even though this is a really small thing, you kind of got to call it to make up for the stuff that you missed. Uh, and so for Adams to lose the last three here at the end, um, before suspension and ultimate firing, I felt like that was a really good opportunity. That was the, oppor- that was the opportune moment, right? For these donors and stuff to come in and be like, all right, this is it. Like, do we have any, is there anything? Oh, well, he said, what? Go for it. Go for it. Like, do they call? Do they talk about that all the time? If there's if that's, you're winning, that's kind of that's kind of what it felt like, right? Because and somebody brought up this point of like, uh, now I, I don't necessarily know if the racial comment was, um, you know, advantageous of the certain time of the lose streak, but everything else absolutely was. Like that spitting incident. So I heard about the spitting incident months ago, right? A couple months ago, a little after the new year, and but it was kind of like held in the chamber, like oh, okay, right? Like it was like ah, you know. He's winning a little bit now. Let's wait. Let's let's use this for when we need it, right? Or for those that don't know the spitting incident, basically it's it's that uh, he was yelling at a player. Uh, apparently, he inadvertently spit on the player. The player said he spit on me, and he said he can spit on whoever the hell he wants to, right? A little bit of a power trip thing there, but um, like but like that that is something that. You know, it's 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 almost like that news was like tucked in the chamber, right? The news that oh well, no player will play for Mark Adams if he's back is kind of like tucked in the chamber, right? And so like, and, and it's only brought out because we're we're losing again. If we were winning, right? If this was somebody brought up a question of like oh well, if if Texas Tech was instead of being sixteen and sixteen, if they were, you know, uh, uh, a twenty three and and nine, does it come up? And, and my answer is no. It probably doesn't. My answer is, is that all of this stuff 
probably doesn't come up as far as how evil Mark Adams is if he's losing. And it's unfair to him. It's unfair to, to us and that all this news only comes out because he he's not doing as as well as we originally hoped. Um, to your point, you know, I think there's a lot of things that happened this season that we weren't that were unexpected. Um, you know, like the AMAC injury, like various injuries after your Pop Isaac's injury, um, a lot of stuff that happened this year. But um, you know, I just I, I agree with you that it, it felt wrong that to only bring up negative things about Mark Adams whenever it's we're losing or only float this stuff to the media itself when we're losing. So it was weird, but I will say, you know, um, Mark Adams can't escape, can't escape, you know, comparing players to slayers. Like you just can't, you can't do that. And I, 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 I will say, let me preface this. I don't think Mark Adams is racist. I, I don't think he's racist. Right. I, I, let me just say that he's, when you're a white basketball coach, you've been around black people your whole life. Like there's just really no way around that. I, I don't <laughs> think he's racist. Um, I do think he, from all indications had a bit of an ego trip this year. I do think with that, uh, a lot of a lot of the times you aren't willing to admit when you're wrong, and no matter how you slice it, as a white coach, you cannot talk about your players and slavery and not and not apologize for it. Like there's just there's no way to do it. It's okay to if you're reading a Bible, you it's a, if somebody brings your attention that hey man, you're being insensitive in this scenario, right? That is when you say, oh, crap, I wasn't even thinking about that. My bad. Like, that's it. That ends the whole thing. That ends that's the it. whole thing there, right? It sounds like from the story that the player that wasn't wasn't named, but the player went to another coach and said, hey, man, this happened. I don't really feel good about this. It's not like he went straight off to the media. No, he said, I don't really feel good about this. And that is the point when the coach comes to Mark Adams and says, hey, man, like this happened. When you take a step back and say, oh, my bad. And the whole thing is squashed, right? Like very rarely you see the news about something being racially insensitive. Usually it's the, it's flat out racist. I think it's one of the few times that I, I look at him like, nah, this is legitimately racially insensitive. I don't think he's purposely being racist. That's not really the best way to motivate your team of saying, of saying hey, I'm, I'm going to be racist to y'all <laughs> real quick. <laughs> you know? Uh, I think he was trying to use the tactic and it was a, it was a bad, it was a fail of a tactic. One, I, you know, both, I don't. I don't think it's we're exposing much here, Jeremy, to say that we're both Christians on the pod. Um, but it's probably not the best idea to use Bible verses in the first place, like off top, like like Bible verses in general. It's it's probably a no go, right? And then so to to do that is where you just you know take a step back and say, hey, my bad, I I didn't mean it that way. I was trying to motivate in the scenario. I seemed like it didn't come off the right way. Not to say, ah, oh, it's a damn Bible verse. Suck it up. Like that's not the, that's not the way to do it, right? It's I read something else talking about like at the end of the day, you know, um, black players are tired of de- listening to to racist anecdotes, right? Women are tired of listening in, in women's sports are tired of listening to to sexist anecdotes or, or or other type of degrading anecdotes, right? Like these like young people are are tired of of just being kind of bossed around it's one thing to be coached right the successful coaches in 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 the country are still successful coaches so it's not just that you know the younger generation doesn't want to be coached well like no don staley is still don staley if you watch don staley coach she gets in their ass like she is very much you know yelling in there but they she coaches the hell out of all of her players right Uh, if, if we're looking on the on the men's side bill self is still bill self you know, and shout prayers to Bill Self, who's still in the hospital. He had a, he had a heart attack, but 
Bill's self, still Bill's self. Mike Krzyzewski is still Mike Krzyzewski, even though he's retired. Like, these guys are still incredible motivators. The fact, and they're old as hell, right? But mm-hmm. still incredible motivators, still get down there. It's not about the fact that the younger generation is soft. It's, it's, as coach, you got to adapt. You got to understand what, how, to, how to work with this younger generation, how to push them forward, how to motivate them. Instead of just saying, I was a damn Bible verse. I can say whatever the hell I want. No, understand what, what you did. Understand what you said. And that's where Mark Adams fell, uh, um, fell in the wrong. Yeah, you just got to be generationally sensitive if you're going to be in a position that is has this continual turnover of people be of new and younger people every year, right? And so, um, you know, you get you, to quote to off quote a a Matthew McConaughey thing is like you get older, but they stay the same age, and so um, you just got to make yourself. <laughs> that's, that's <a laughs> this is not a one for one application. A wild but quote. <laughs> we're throwing it's in there, um, and so. But you have to be generationally sensitive. I really like that. Um, there are many, many good examples of coaches who are old, who are in the crypt, but they still, you know, they're good head coaches. And, you know, it just takes it takes a good team, but it also takes a lot of uh, – you have to take the pride element out. And I do agree. I think that Mark Adams kind of had this, I don't know, this just ego trip this year of, you know, big, you know, high pay – you're the center of attention. You just came off the Sweet 16. You had all these. Um, you got these recruits coming in. You're the guy. Everybody loves you in Lubbock. Like you're you're the saint. Beard's the center. And so he kind of you know understandably that's a really tough position to be in. To this whole narrative and like that's what we talked about last year was an incredible was an incredible year for Texas Tech basketball because you lost a head coach and still you know performed super well. Um, and so people just attributed that immediately to Adams and that rolled over and all these things. And here we are, here we are without a head coach, uh, no postseason, and trying to figure out what's next was people are entering the transfer portal. Some people are, are, are for Elling. Um, it's just another off season where we're just like, what is this going to look like? Who is the right fit? Who is the right fit for this program? <laughs> Cause it's not people over 50. <laughs> <laughs> So to that point, to, to Jeremy's point, uh, so far now, so the, the Wednesday said the tournament, Corey Williams was the interim head coach. Uh, we lost to, to West Virginia. Really, wasn't, wasn't there was really no point in time in that game where I felt we were the, we were going to win. Um, no, I, I, I no, unlike know. most others, <laughs> we were pretty humble in that. <laughs> yeah, like there was at halftime. I I dig the spirit down ten at halftime. Like we can we can still do this. Like now nah, we we probably can't. Um, it, it didn't didn't really seem like it uh i think just like the fans i think the players are like man let's get this season the hell over with um so texas tech did lose uh, there is still a possibility the team makes the nit um, i don't even know if the team would accept it at this point just with all the turmoil on the team mark adams did step down uh and mark adams stepping down was kind of really big for the program we owed him seven million like, that was a thing. And, and we could argue that it could be for cause or whatever, but then we're going to have a legal battle. It's going to be a thing. He could easily come back and say, oh, hell no. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ain't about to jip $7 million for me for saying a Bible. He could have done all that. Instead, he stepped down and said, keep your $7 million. Um, that's something I definitely would not have done. <laughs> Let me tell you, y'all go Texas Tech, y'all going to pay me every bit of that $7 million. I'm Mike Leach in it, okay? He'll take the... Uh, uh... <laughs> What's his name? Out of LSU, he left. Orgeron, when he was like, you just show oh, me where the door is. <laughs> show me where the door is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but no, he, he uh, him stepping down saved the school $7 million, um, at least publicly anyway. So, 
so yeah, so that and now we're on a search for a new head coach. Um, you know, it's it's that's been the topic. It's it's interesting, right? Because I don't think it's almost like a good amount of the fan base has been waiting for this day of 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 the, him leaving because I don't know. Usually, whenever a coach gets fired or quits or whatever, there's like a day of reflection for the fan base of like, like when Matt Wells got fired. Like Matt Wells got fired, and it was like, let's you know, for a good amount of the fan base, it was like, let's spend the next day talking about how Matt much the last three years have sucked, right? Like that was that was Matt Wells. Cliff Kingsbury, same thing. When he got fired, it was kind of the same thing. On the basketball side, Chris Beard left, and we spent a good month saying, "Man, f this guy." Um, but for Matt, Mark Adams, he leaves, and that same day, it's like, "Man, anywho, who's next?" <laughs> All right, like, it's, it's, uh, who's next? Is that good so, or bad? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. It's but it's been it's been, a, it's been a topic of conversation about like who will be the next head coach, right? And and um. You know, I gotta give it to tech fans. This is this is a, a a situation where everybody's very invested. They want the best. Go out and get, you know, go out and make Scott Drew say no. Make Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson say no, right? Um, so it's uh, but on all seriousness, it's been a big question of who they want. And if you follow me on Twitter, I think it's very obvious who I want. But Jeremy, I'll, I'll let you talk about you know what you think of um, who Texas Tech Twitter wants. Who do you want? What is your thoughts on the potential head coach search coming up? It continues to evolve, man. And every time I feel like okay, we're kind of getting somewhere, it gets a little it gets a little stupider. <laughs> People are just continuing to kind of float further and further out there, uh, asking. I mean, like, hey, let's go get Coach Tang from Kansas State. I'm I like, saw that one. Yeah, yeah. It's such a Texas mentality. You're not getting if you got Tang to leave Kansas State. First of all, you're evil for that. Uh, second of all, you, uh, you, you, I go buy a lottery ticket uh, as well. No, I think so. Texas Tech is like in this really interesting bubble, wherein you have a, a well-established like persona in basketball. Everybody knows who you are now. After the 2019 run, everybody knows who you are. Um, your facilities have progressed on the back of that. You have world-class facilities. You have a, a top 10 fan base in the nation at its, at its peak, uh, probably one of the best. And so, um, you wonder what kind of coaches can you go get? What kind of coaches should you go get? Uh, but you also have like your Texas tech and you now going to be three coaches in two years. Um, and it's like, well, Maybe we just pick up a mid-major. Maybe we just pick up a local guy. Maybe we pick up a safe bet who's sitting around 500 at a, at a Division two or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you're seeing names like Steve Lutz from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Of course, Paul Mills over Oral Roberts. Um, the seemingly fan favorite in McCaslin at a UNT. Uh, but also... Albie's favorite, which we can talk about him in a minute. Uh, just to continue the, the the suspense of it, I won't say it. Um, there's also, oh, man. <sighs> I saw one today. Uh, anyways, and then there's kind of our A slash B guy in Terry, in Coach Terry, who's at Texas, who's the interim at Texas, who, I mean, in the most recent kind of reporting that we've read, 
is that Texas is actually looking for another coach. That's so um, wild. Which that's is so nuts. Wild. <laughs> can we wait? Can we talk about that for a second? Like that's so. We can. Oh, that's so wild. So it's whenever Adams got fired that same day, a buddy of mine. Um, oh, David, David Hughes. He's a uh, he was our baseball correspondent last year, and um, he uh, he said like. He, in, a, in a group chat, he was like, man, what if what about Rodney Terry? Like, what if Texas actually gets rid of Rodney Terry? And I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's wild. Like, why would they do that? That makes no sense. And every day since he made that comment, the day of Mark, Mark Adams like, getting set down, I have seen more and more news that there is a good chance that Rodney Terry will not be retained at Texas. At, at Texas. And it's just, like, why are you staring? I have one of my best friends went to Texas. And he and he's a Texas Longhorn fan. Like there is all the stereotypes you want about feeling you're this and that and you're super. He's that. And even he's like, man, we don't know what the hell we're doing. Like it's so obvious that you would pick this guy who's a national coach of the year candidate who has been incredible to lead your team. And it's it's uh, but no, they're gonna. But at the same time, there's Texas Tech fans that are like, well, what has he really done? You know, I know he. Yeah. He's taking this controversy and they're still the top 10 team in the nation. And I know that he was doing some things over at Fresno state that hasn't been done at Fresno state for years. And yes, I know that he spent like three years where he was just an above average UTEP coach, but what has he really done? You know, I, I don't, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild. Like it's come on guys. Let's not don't over. Let's not longhorn ourselves. Uh, but yeah, anyways, keep going. No, that's a really good point. And I think, te- I think fans are just really starting to, uh, become Longhorn fans. Just the archetype, right? This like, oh, we deserve the best. We can go get the best. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying that that's wrong. Like, um, you don't need to be thinking about how can I go steal Drum Tang from Kansas State. First of all, what's the connection? Why would why would a guy like that leave? You know, you're not thinking it through. I don't think you're thinking. You're like stuck in this fantasy, this romance. What I call this like uh, Disney, this Disney imagination where. You know, oh, woe is me. So it's all of a sudden going to get super great and everything's going to turn out exactly the way I want to. Um, Terry, like, I think that Rodney Terry is an excellent. Right now, if we could get Rodney Terry, that's going to be my number one guy because of, you know, his head coaching experience at places like UTEP and then, of course, Fresno, uh, Fresno State, where he had uh, 21 seasons in four of his last five years. Um, uh, it's incredible. Like, that's good work. He also developed, I don't know if anybody remembers this guy, Bryson Williams. Wanted to bring Bryson Williams to Texas, but Bryson Williams was like, nah, that's cool, coach. I'm out. I'm going to go to Texas Tech. Uh, you have a guy who can, like, recognize talent and build talent because not a lot of top dudes are going to UTEP. So. Yeah. I, I Well, I think the Bryson Williams thing is actually one of the reasons why there's some some hesitation. Um, is this kind of idea that, oh, well, because Bryson Williams chose Tech over Texas, that means that Rodney Terry must be no good. And it's, you know, one, again, people don't really know the, the real story, but I, Bryson Williams has said many times, and no slight against Terry. He loved Terry as a coach, and he had no problems playing for Terry again. He just wanted to be a more well-rounded basketball player and learn how to play defense. And that Rodney Terry, he felt this, it really helped him develop his offensive side, which we saw. But he wanted to really increase the defensive side of the game. And if you watched the team last year in 22, you saw a guy who was a really bad defender in game one turn into a pretty solid defender by the end of the year. And that was the whole reason why he went to Tech, right? So that's not a, you know, sometimes things that, like, this idea that my whole opinion is formed up based off of one 22-year-old choosing this. 
our only having him as the number two choice instead of the number one choice is, is wild, right? Like, so that's, that's, um, no, Rodney Terry is an absolutely great choice. I, I agree with you on that. He's probably the one B on my list. Um, but who's your A? I'll I be. guess I, I've, I, I, you know, I inadvertently have been the captain of this boat, I guess. Um, and that is Ulrich Maligi. Right, former Texas Tech assistant basketball coach. He's currently the associate head coach over at Kansas State, helping your boy Jerome Tang. Um, and Ulrich Maligi, he's the guy for me. He's the guy for me. You know, I I'm not the person who was leading the Joey McGuire charge. I'm not right. I'm I was I was at the very end of that boat, at the very end of that train. I hopped on right when we gave him the contract of okay, I think this guy could be good. Right, but I wasn't. I, I'm not. I can't sit here and act like I was just from the very one tooting the horn. Ulrich Maligi is Joey McGuire. Like I don't understand this idea that like I don't understand this, this fan base that was all in on Joey McGuire before I was. Now it's like, well, what about? Or I've heard so many times of, well, he's never really been a head coach before. What the hell? Joey McGuire had never been a head coach before. Tim Tadlock had never been a head coach before. Jerome Tang had never been a head coach before. Like, what? What are we talking? What are we doing here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's uh, Ulrich Maligi. I've been told by a bunch of people is the best recruiter in the state of Texas. I've been told. I have a, I have a, one of my best friends. He's a high school basketball coach. Has said that he has seen Ulrich Maligi go into a room and take a recruit that didn't have Texas Tech on their top whatever, and all of a sudden had top Texas Tech in their top three. He's seen, and the second he went to Texas, said, "I saw that same guy go to Texas and get basically whatever recruit he wanted in the state of Texas because that's how good a recruiter he is, right?" Like K State, and then he goes to K State really to prove that hey, I'm not just a recruiter, like. I was out here helping Beard Coach too, but y'all don't believe me, so I'm gonna go to K State and really prove it to y'all. And look at Kansas State in one year. Like it was whenever Maligi and Tang went to K State, um, I didn't doubt that Maligi could coach. Um, but I you know, I expected it would take some time. One year. And they're killing it. They're absolutely killing it. Um, Ulrich Maligi will get a head coaching job. Eventually. Like it's not a, I don't doubt it. I put this in the in our in our group chat earlier today. Um, but this actually kind of reminds me of Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda was a grad assistant at Tech, um, built himself up over at LSU as the defensive coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator of that legendary team, uh, um, the one that's championship at LSU. They were great. And when we were looking for a head coach, even before that year, we were looking for a head coach, right, during when Matt Wells was up, I was tooting the Dave Aranda horn. I said, we there was the defensive coordinator at LSU, He's great. He's incredible. We should go after him. That should be the next head coach, Texas Tech. And there was a lot of, well, he'd never been a head coach before. There was a lot of all that. And so what happens is we hire Matt Wells. And I, now, I won't say that. Um, I know a lot of people didn't really want the Matt Wells hire. But still, a lot of people wanted Dave Aranda. A couple years later, Baylor hires Dave Aranda. And all of a sudden, it's, well, how did Texas Tech let a Texas Tech guy Go to Baylor. Why didn't they hire him a couple years ago? A couple years before. Like that wasn't something that certain people, including myself, were touting then. This is what this feels like. This feels like the same thing of this guy who will get a head coaching job eventually. And I think if you roll back the tape, I said the same thing about Dave Aranda back however many years ago, four years ago. But this is a guy that I feel will get a head coaching job eventually. And what's going to happen is in three years, we're not going to give him that job. And we're going to be saying, well, how did we let a Texas Tech guy get away? And that's you know that's just how I feel about him. He's won everywhere he's been, and he's one of the best recruiters in Texas. He's Joey McGuire. 
He's Joey McGuire. He's Dave Aranda. He's like that together. Why wouldn't you want that guy to be your head coach? And he fits the the Jeremy and Kenzie bill of under 50 or not a crusty old white guy is, is, is Kenzie. Kenzie, <laughs> Kenzie yeah. uh, <laughs> right. So, but like, it's just, he, he has been successful. He's the guy to me that can, that can help uh, steer the ship um, and not, uh, uh, not fully cleanse the beard era, but like lightly cleanse the beard era. Right. Still keep a little bit of that. He knows the West Texas landscape. He knows how to recruit the Texas tech because he's done it successfully. You're not going to get another coach. Like that's another thing. You're not going to get another coach that has already recruited to West Texas successfully, right? I think one of the biggest slights against Rodney Terry is, is his UTEP tenure, which in three years was just a little bit above average. wasn't great, right? That's probably the only mark on his record, and that he knows how to recruit to West Texas, but it wasn't as successful as Fresno State than his load is his uh, year and a half at Texas, right? But Maligi successfully recruited to West Texas, right? He already knows that landscape. Already knows how to do it, um, and we we now saw what he can do as a coach. I man, this is that to me. That's that's the guy. He's the guy. Bring him home. Yeah, I think that you know between the two of Maligi and Roddy and Terry, those would both both be really good hires, right? For me, when you get below that, when you get past that, and you get into the McCaslin, you get into the uh, all the rest of them, those feel like gambles. Those feel like Matt Wells gambles. Because none of them, for me, are doing things that are just outstanding. Uh, and people are going to be like, oh, Oral Roberts is so good. Um, like, this year, yeah. And a couple years ago, they kind of had a fantasy run. But it's not just like this Oral Roberts team that has been blitzkrieging through its conference. This season is a, such a standout from the past decade. And so I want us to be like cautious about... Oh, he had a tremendous season. Therefore, he's got to be a good head coach for us. Okay, well, he's not in the Big 12. He has no Big 12 experience. Um, that's a huge thing, right? So Rodney Terry, Maligi, Big 12 experience, way, you know, they got it. Um, there's no Big 12 experience with a lot of these coaches that people are talking about, which is such a different gauntlet, right? There is the recruiting ties. Like, you need recruiting ties in Texas. You need to have a big name. Um, you can't just, my fear, I guess what I'm trying to say is my fear is that Texas Tech, in our conference, you can't, it's taking a gamble is such a, it feels like such a bad move. <laughs> because like, if you don't have people that are familiar with this, tossing them in, like the whole Matt Wells and the Big 12 football, that was a little different because Big 12 football is just not, not that same kind of exacerbated, com, 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 uh, it's like that's not the same level of competition as Big 12 basketball. Big 12 basketball is leagues above everybody else. Um, and if you're not ready for that, like it can be a really tough uphill battle. And I would hate for us to be like, Oh, this guy's winning at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Let's bring him here. Like, why does, uh, I need a couple of things. We need a, we need a, a deep explanation of why we think that's going to work out. It just, it just doesn't feel the safe, the safe, the quote unquote safe bets don't feel safe at all for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say where I will push back on you on those is two of the names that you mentioned, which is uh, Grant McCasland and Paul Mills, um, right? And, and the reason I push back, I'll start off with Paul Mills, is that so for Paul Mills, he's been at Oral Roberts for six years. Um, he started off his first two seasons, only 11 win seasons. Uh, but Oral Roberts is not an easy place to win, right? Um, it, it's not an easy place to win. It's it's in Tulsa. It's, it's a very, re, you know, religious school. It's not the easiest to recruit players to. Um, overall in their history, right, they don't have really just the strongest history outside of uh, Scott Sutton, 
who was over there, right? Outside of Scott Seven, who, or Scott Sutton, who had some success in the mid two thousands, but then even he failed. Excuse me, even he failed towards the end of his run. I mean, the reason he got fired was because he went an eight one season in in twenty seventeen before before Paul Mills got there, right? So Paul Mills, I think you know he's a little bit more than just this season. This season he's an incredible. This season is the first thirty win season in their school history. It's the best season in their school history. Um, and then and then you mentioned a couple years ago when they went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, with Kevin O'Banner on that team. Uh, even last year, they had a really good year as well. Um, so the last couple of years, he's been good. So I don't want to say that Paul Mills can't can't hack it. I think for Paul Mills, um, he is, when it comes to like, okay, well, he's been in Oklahoma. How can he recruit? Of course, he's still recruiting in Texas, being in Oklahoma. He still has some guys there. He was an assistant under Scott Drew for a long time. So he does at least have some of that Big 12 experience because he knows he at least recruited to Waco for a long time. Um, from AM knows Texas. So I won't necessarily say that I, I won't be upset with the Paul Mills hire. I won't be disappointed with the Paul Mills hire. We've seen these type of hires both work and not work. It's a little bit different than like Matt Wells, who wasn't that successful of a mid-major coach, right, to get the jump. And I think that's one of the things is that it's less than just taking a successful mid-major coach and saying, here you go. With Matt Wells, it was taking an above average mid-major coach and saying, here you go. I think Paul Mills has actually built that program uh, into something special, right? Um, And then you look at Grant McCaslin. And Grant McCaslin actually was probably my number three uh, after we get from, after uh, Terry and Maligi. Because the work that Grant McCaslin has done at UNT has also been special. Now, I think UNT is a little bit easier of a place to, to coach than Oral Roberts is, right? Like they have a little bit more of a, a basketball success overall as a program. It's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but at the same time, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we want to recruit that, right? He, he's he's a guy that's been over at Texas Tech way back when, the director of op- operations back in the early Bob, Bob Knight days, um, has some experience as a head coach, was, was pretty successful not just at UNT, but also at Midwestern State and Arkansas State. And I'm a big believer that if you can coach college basketball successfully, you, you can you can just coach like you don't it's one of those things where if you know how to coach you know how to coach and Grant McCaslin has has been successful legitimately almost everywhere he's been he's not you know he's a he's a seventy percent winning uh, uh, winning record at all three of his stops um, he's another guy that was a, a Baylor assistant uh, uh, back in the early Scott Drew days so he does know the the Big Twelve landscape a little bit better right he's he's uh, um, and and UNT in their conference it's a little like conference USA is a little bit tougher than um, what conference is Oral Roberts even in <laughs> big South. It's a little bit, it's a little bit tougher than, than, than the uh, Oral Roberts conference as well. So like, or the summit league, sorry, the summit league. So I, I do think Grant McCasland does give you a little bit more. That does feel a little bit more like a Chris Beard, Esque hire, right? A guy that's been successful everywhere he was is knows how to win games. Has that has that piece there. Uh, like it being a Chris Beard hire. His basketball is boring. It's boring. It's old. It's slow. It's defensive. It's 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 having this gimmick that's going to really slow the ball down. The offense isn't going to be exciting, and I know that's going to really rub some people the wrong way. I I argue that we've been conditioned for this. All right, we've known for a long time we don't need pretty basketball. We just need winning basketball. If we're going to win games, uh, uh, 55 to 52, so be it. And I think Grant McCaslin is that type of guy. So I'm actually, Grant McCaslin to me is my number three pick. 
Um, of course, I'm ecstatic with Maliki. I'd be ecstatic with Terry. I'd actually be really happy with Grant McCaslin as well. I think he's a very good coach. Um, I don't know if he's the sexy hire people are looking for, but I do think he's kind of the safe hire. I think Grant McCaslin's kind of the guy that you're you're going to get the least amount of pushback, the least amount of people saying what the hell. Even more than my boy Maliki, even more than Terry. Right, you're gonna get less of people saying what the hell, and it makes sense. You get a guy that's been successful recruiting the DFW, at least knows the Big Twelve a little bit from his time at Baylor, and knows how to coach the game of basketball. So, um, I, I do think Grant McCaslin is a little bit better. Paul Mills is is a that that'd be one that you have to convince some people. I'm not gonna lie, but you know, he's I do just want to give him a little bit more of a shout out than just saying that he's a uh, uh, only a, few, a, a couple of positive seasons. Uh, uh Grant McCaslin. I kind of got I lumped him in with the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the mid-major average guys. He is a step above the rest. He's a good he's a strong number 3. And I people may not know this at all. I found it out when I was looking these people up. Um he actually spent time as a director of operations at Texas Tech 1999 to 2001. So like he's got some kind of Texas Tech tie. Like he's been out here. He's not unfamiliar. Although everything will be very much different if he were to return. Uh, <laughs> he's going to come <laughs> back and be like, "Y'all got a Chipotle?" <laughs> <laughs> Since this uh, uh, I'm talking about the basketball stuff, and Albert's like, the yeah, food no. is so much different. Oh my goodness, you, uh, what is this apartment? You lofts? What is this? The range? This is crazy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, <laughs> that Grant McCaslin's not a bad. He's not a bad hire. Um, and really, you know, people on this list, I, I wouldn't call anybody a bad hire. Um, just, just ones that I, I'm more, sexy and not sexy, exciting and not exciting, right? So I'm most excited. If I want to be the scale, I'm most excited about Ulrich. I'm most excited about uh, Roddy Terry. Um, I'm okay with Grant McCaslin. Grant McCaslin gives me more of a I will be okay as we start winning kind of thing. I will get better as we start winning, right? And that's just that style of basketball. It's not exciting. Um, may not recruit the may not recruit the best kind of guys that you're you know you get this weird like you make a a archetype you make a very you make a texas tech basketball character caricature off defense and slow offense and you get you make that that takes you to a national championship game and then after that you're like hey let's speed it up let's bring some new people in let's speed it up Let's go for athletes on who can get uh, back and forth on the floor really quickly. Let's do transition. And you're just not the same team. And so maybe maybe what you need to do is you need to get back to the identity that, like, fits your culture. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. After McCaslin, it just kind of dumps off for me. I was looking through the athletics. Uh, they Their call list, as John... Uh, John Jackis, which is a he's the Baylor assistant head coach, um, and he was he was with uh, he's had or excuse me, he is a Baylor assist, associate head coach, not assistant. Um, he's got time at Gonzaga. Uh, I think he spent some time at Kansas State. They've got Andy 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 Kennedy. He's over at UAB. Dude's old though, fifty four years. Get him out of here. Uh, if you got Quanzo Martin, he was the former Missouri head coach. 51-year-old, get out of here. Um, they've got Grant McCaslin. They've got Paul Mills. They have Al Pinkins, who we talked about very briefly. Um, Al Pinkins has been on this staff. This is his second run, right? He was with the staff when we reached the Elite Eight. 
Um, he was his Florida's interim head coach uh, last spring. And there, there's another interesting name on here, uh, Kellen Sampson. Not Kelvin. Oh, interesting. Kellen. Hey, and it says, is that there is a clear path of succession at Houston from Kelvin to his son, Kellen? Yes. Or is that just an assumption everyone no, no, makes? No, no, no. no yes. um, hold no, on. No, no, yes, Even though yes. it's soon to be big 12 rival of his father's program, it's a pretty good situation for a first coaching gig. Samson understands personal investment with players comes first and demands uh, come after that. Anyways, and they finished it up. They finished up with Rodney Terry, actually. Kellen Sampson is going to be the next head coach of the University of Houston Cougars. Like, that's, that's I mean, everybody, everybody knows that. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> so, like, if Kellen wants to ruin his good name before becoming, I mean, not, not ruin, but I'm just saying, like, like it's it's one I don't think I don't think it, that'd be a good hire to be honest. Um, but the two yeah. like that's yeah, that would make it sense. Is, yeah, that that's that is almost everybody knows that Kelvin has only a few. Not, you know, his his he's here for a good time, not a long time. And when he leaves, his son's taking over. But um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, those some of those names I, I get it. It makes sense. Um, uh, but I think the three names we mentioned, Terry Maligi and, and McCaslin. To me, it's just those three. So let me read the Terry segment on here. It's the last one that they have. It says, you know, Rodney Terry, Texas acting head coach. Stay with us here. It may be that Terry isn't even on the market or that his ties to Chris Beard, limited as they are, make this a hard sell in Lubbock. It doesn't. Um, But if everyone is right about Terry's recruiting chops, that energy and his origin story as a high school coach align with the profile of Joey McGuire, which is Kirby Hocutt's latest football hire. In fact, you could make an objective argument that Texas Tech is a better job for Terry than Texas is. Yeah. Hey, look, hey, I, 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 can't, I don't disagree at all. I don't disagree at all. And not to mention, this would be a Rodney Terry coming to Texas Tech. That Forget the Chris Beard stuff. I, don't, I really don't think people would care. Um, but this would be a, a man scorned by Texas. It'd be the reverse. That's what I was saying. Bring him over. <laughs> Bring him over. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You mean to tell, like, you know, let me tell you something. If I am a guy that is is comes over, does, does this great thing at Texas, and y'all don't retain me, I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna go to y'all's rival and make you hate me. I'm gonna make you hate me. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. While you hire, while you hire Billy Donovan and Billy Donovan struggles, oh, I'm gonna make you hate me. Um, yeah. Take no, your recruits. I'm gonna take your series. <laughs> I'm gonna take your joy. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I, I think our, you know, I think if we think of that big three, like I, again, I'd be Terry Maligi, um, McCaslin. I'm happy with either of those three. I'm, I'm not somebody that's gonna just sit and be like, I only want my guy. If you pick one of those three, I'm over the moon excited. Paul Mills, I won't hate it. I won't love it, but I won't hate it. Um, there's a lot of people on this list that we've talked about that I would, I'd probably dislike quite a bit, <laughs> if that was the coach, but. Um, but that's where we are right now as a program. I mean, with the, with all the turmoil on the men's side, it's 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 crazy. We didn't really get a good chance. We're coming to the end of the podcast. Um, we're gonna have more episodes this week, Jeremy, because the next episode we, we got to talk about the women. Their season ended today too, and that's a season that doesn't look like it's gonna have an NIT um, extension either. But also, I want uh, give me your elevator pitch of what's up with Kirby Hocutt and hiring. Like that's. Uh, yeah, my goodness. Like, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. So every year, it seems like every year when something has happened, uh, Albert and myself and Dylan and Kinsey have just been like, 
is what what else is happening? What's going on here? Why is there like this consistent like some programs can't even get out of the ditch? You know, the softball program has been crawled is crawled through three different head coaches. Now we finally have a you know coach Schneider, and we're getting some victories and things seem to be a little bit better. But we took a, it took three coaches to get there. Um, <laughs> are we you sure? know what's happening? Are we sure? Uh, are we sure? Has he right? beaten anybody? So, <laughs> no, he hasn't. Um, and so here's the thing: is that not yet? And so here's the thing: is that you know, since Kirby Hokut has come on to be the athletic director at Texas Tech, he's done a lot of good. And I think we're going to recognize that. We're going to go through that and kind of list out a lot of things that he's brought to the university, um, the pedigree that he does have as an athletic director. There's a reason he's one of the highest paid athletic directors in the nation. But we are also going to talk about what are the things that kind of give you a little bit of pause about Kirby Hokett's character, about his hiring process, and about his oversight into the different athletic departments. And it's going to be very exciting because we are also going to bring on a, an investigative journalist who I will keep unnamed for the time being, who actually was a part of spilling the beans uh, for the women's um, program issues under Marlene Stolings. He was a part of the USA Today um, investigati- investigation uh, on that program. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. I mean, so it, it, it will be coming. Um, it'll be a very unbiased, middle-of-the-road take on it, right? You're going to hear a lot of people that have their biases of, well, Kirby Hoka's God's gift to Texas Tech Athletics or Kirby Hoka sucks and hates hates students, right? It's not going to be any of that. It's going to be, we're going to look at all of it. We're going to look at all of it. What makes Kirby Hoka, why is he still here? Why is he getting paid as much? But why does he deserve criticism? All of that stuff. Um, it's just, there's too much going on the men's side to squeeze that into this episode. <laughs> so, so uh, Jeremy, anything else you want to say to the people? No, you summed it up well. A lot of really cool stuff. Uh, hate the circumstance, love the content, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, hashtag hire Maligi. Um, so for uh, Jeremy Gillen, the guy that hates mid-majors, and for Albie Shore. And old people. And old people. <laughs> and white guys, apparently. Um, this is Albie Shore, and you have been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 Network and the official podcast for Red Raider Sports. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.